Um, this year at the well, if you have not been following along, we are going to be talking about the entire story, um, the storyline or the narrative of the Bible. And so what we've created for you is this really cool timeline. It's up on the screen as well, but we want to give you your own copy. Um, and each section of the story has its own little symbol. And so by the time we get to the end of the year, we will have worked through the whole storyline of the Bible. Honestly, our goal in this um, is for you to know the story. So by the end of the year, you'll be able to look at this and go, wow, I could tell you kind of the story of the Bible and how it plays out. So we want to make sure you have a copy of that tonight. Um, anybody here for the first time? Who's at the Well Done Town for the first time? Let's welcome these guys. That's awesome. Really good to see you guys. Um, I'm here for the first time this year. I haven't been here in several months, so it's really fun to be here. My name is Stacy Post, if I haven't met you yet. Uh, my, na my name, I just said my name. Uh, I'm on campus ministry staff and super glad to be with you guys tonight. Um, as you look at your little timeline, I also just want to point out a couple other things we've given you. There's a a map, which I really am excited about. So you have your own map, and from time to time throughout the teaching series this year, you'll be able to use this to follow along. And if you open the whole thing, you have, in really tiny print, uh, you have a reading schedule for the whole year. And the reason we've put the reading schedule together is for you to have something to read in between to kind of connect the dots from story to story to story. Because in order to tell the whole story of the Bible this year, we have to make some pretty big jumps. And so um, this reading schedule, if you're brave enough to follow along, will help you connect the dots a little bit. So when you see the dates, that's actually the date of the well. So where you see 929, the birth of Isaac is what we're going to talk about tonight. So you would want to read the things um, under that before next week so you could follow along and be ready for next week's well. So my suggestion would be just to stick this in your Bible, bring it along with you, bring it to your life group if you're in one, because I think it could be helpful for your discussion there. Um, so... That being said, we have some friends who every week are making us a little video to help us connect from one week to the next. Before I do that, I um, just want to remind you, the very first week at the well, Scott Stark was up here talking about uh, creation and the two trees, the very beginning of the story in the garden. And then after that, Cody was up here the next week talking about the section of the patriarchs. So we talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as the patriarchs, that time, that time in the ancient history of the Bible is what this symbol represents. And so tonight, we're going to continue on with our time in the patriarch. So, but before we move on, uh, here we go with our weekly video connection. No direction. My faith is shaken, but I, I gotta keep trying. Gotta keep Oh, 
Awesome. So uh, just so you know, I'm also putting those, the links to these videos in the study guides. So every week there's a study guide to go with the teaching that you use in your life group discussion. So if you need to go back and see it again or share it with a friend or share it with your life group, it'll be there for the taking. So um, anyway, it's just a fun way to help us connect the dots between the stories. So uh, show of hands, how many of you guys absolutely hate to wait? Who hates to wait? Anyone? Okay, awesome. I'm in good company because I really hate waiting. I really hate waiting in line, and something I've discovered is that I really, really hate waiting in line to pay for my groceries. Okay, anybody feel that? Okay, so I'm pretty sure that Meyer owes me a year of my life back for the time that I have stood in line waiting for groceries. I was even thinking today, I remember one time when Eli, our three-year-old, was a little baby, and it was getting really close to the time when he was hungry, and I had a cart full of groceries, and the lines were forever, and I literally left the cart there and went home. Because I'm like, I just cannot sit in line this long. I hate standing in line. So, so much so that this year I did a kind of ridiculous thing. So the night before the leadership retreat, we were like out of milk, out of all the important things that we needed for the week, and I had zero time. It was 10 o'clock at night. Either I was going to go or I was going to, you know, not have what we needed in the morning for the boys. So I did a ridiculous thing, and I finally joined Shipped. Do you guys know what Shipped is? Okay, I am completely equal parts, completely embarrassed that I am now a shipped person, and I'm also completely ecstatic about it. I'm embarrassed because, honestly, it feels a little bit lazy. Like, you order your groceries online, and then someone else shops for you. Guys, it's amazing. Someone else shops for you, and then they bring the groceries to your door. It's that easy. Um, The reason I'm kind of embarrassed is because, honestly, that feels kind of lazy. It's probably a little bit expensive, um, but at this, and honestly, my life is not that hard or that busy, right? But the week of the leadership retreat, it was, and I couldn't figure out how to do it. So at the very last minute, I was like, we're doing it. I'm diving in, I'm getting shipped. And guys, I am just telling you when this very nice man at seven o'clock the next morning showed up at my front door with all of our groceries that I did not put in a cart and I did not stand in line to pay for, I almost cried. I was so happy. It was so amazing because I hate waiting Um, So here's what I'd like for you to do. I want you to turn to someone next to you and share with them, first of all, who you are, what's your name, introduce yourselves if you don't know each other, and share one thing that you hate waiting for. What do you hate waiting for? Go ahead and talk about that just for a second. Okay, let's come back together. And I want you guys to tell me some of the things you talked about, which we can pretend they're not really our things, right? Let's just name them as things that the culture doesn't like to wait for. Okay, what are some things that our culture hates waiting for? When there's two semis on the highway and they're like going the same speed and you're waiting, yes, yes, yes. Who else has one? Something our culture hates waiting for. Anything? Yeah, back here. Test results. Sure, and that could be many kinds of test results, but we hate waiting for that. What else? Josh? Oh my gosh. Okay, let's be honest. How many of you guys like turn your Wi-Fi off when it's not fast enough? Yep, I totally. Guilty as charged. That's good. Yes. What else? We hate waiting for slow Wi-Fi. Nikki. 
Ah, food to cook. Yes, we hate waiting for food to cook. Kind of like water to boil. Like we hate waiting for water to boil. Okay, that's good. Yes, right here. Waiting for your paycheck. Yeah, waiting for your paycheck. That's a good one. What else? Acceptance into programs, that's really good. Way back here. Waiting to graduate, because sometimes it just feels like it's never, ever going to happen, right? Okay, so we hate waiting for red lights, right? Wet red lights sometimes feel, has anyone ever noticed they're really long in Florida? That's just something, whoa, my gosh. Um, really, really long. It's really interesting how we can be annoyed if we're like in the drive through for fast food and we have to pull over and wait, right? We're, we're just, we don't want to wait. We, our culture hates waiting. In fact, I was also thinking the other day, that's why Amazon Prime, right? You don't have to wait because if you order Amazon Prime, it's going to be here right away. We hate waiting. So sometimes the waiting that we hate is funny and trivial, like semi-trucks that are going the same speed or slow Wi-Fi um, or all the things we're naming right now. But if we're honest, sometimes uh, the waiting is really, really, really hard kind of waiting. Sometimes it's the kind of waiting that's really painful. Sometimes it's the kind of waiting that's really confusing or can force us to ask some really hard questions. There are both kinds uh, of waiting. And so I want you to think in your mind right now um, about something that you're waiting for. You don't have to say it out loud. Just think about when I ask that question, what comes to mind? What are you waiting for? Um, That's just really hard right now. And and along with that, is there anything you're waiting for that seems impossible? Like you've been waiting so long for it, you can't imagine that it might ever actually happen. I've had two, and I've actually had a lot of stories like this in my life, but two of them that I want to share with you tonight because I think they kind of shed... um, a little bit of light and help us connect with the feeling of waiting. Uh, after I went to Wheaton College and after I graduated from college, I went and worked at Spring Hill Camps for several years. And Spring Hill love in the room. I hear you, Josh. Um, <laughs> and after several years at Spring Hill, I worked for Young Life and had an amazing experience in Young Life. Any Young Life love in the room? Young Life love in the room a little bit? Okay. Um, and after literally working with hundreds and hundreds of amazing passionate, Jesus-following people. Um, I was single for a really long time during lots of those years. And I remember a friend of mine actually said to me, man, if you want to get married, you should go to seminary. And I remember thinking, that's the weirdest thing to say because I'm, a, I'm surrounded by hundreds of amazing people all the time in these contexts that I've been in. But I'm still single I'm starting to ask really hard questions about why this is true in my life. Now, my life was filled with lots of purpose, lots of adventure, um, lots of really cool ministry opportunities. It was awesome. But some of you guys know what I'm talking about when I say at the same time, that was really hard. And then what started to happen as I got older and older after college is that all my college friends started getting married around me. And then eventually, all my college friends started having babies And I'm still like, am I ever going to have a date on Friday night? Like, just, you know, is this just going to go on and on and on? And I started to ask, you know, the hard questions. Like, am I doing something wrong? God, where are you and what are you doing? Um, Are you really at work in my story? Will this ever happen for me? What if it doesn't? Now, I'll tell you more. Well, you know, God was good to me in this time of waiting, but the waiting 
was very hard. Story number two. Spoiler alert, Ben and I got married (laughs) Um, in 2007. We were living in Jerusalem at the time, came home to get married, went back for another year of school. Uh, We moved home in 2008. In 2009, we ended up with jobs at Grand Valley and started ministry at Campus Ministry, and all of that was really amazing. A couple years into that, we decided, you know, I think it's time to probably start a family. And so we didn't really think much of it, like we're just going to start a family because that's what you do. And so... You know, we didn't get pregnant right away. It wasn't that big of a deal. just didn't happen right away. Um, And it wasn't a big deal until it didn't happen, and it didn't happen, and it didn't happen. And pretty soon we started going to doctors and specialists and having all kinds of tests done to find out why I wasn't getting pregnant. And there were no answers. No one ever had an answer for us. There was never a reason that we weren't getting pregnant. Then what started to happen in very similar fashion to story number one, is that people in our small group started getting pregnant. Both of Ben's siblings got pregnant in the time that we were going through this, and we're still waiting, and we start to ask the hard questions. God, what are you doing? Where are you? Is this ever going to happen for us? And what if it doesn't? And then I actually also had the question of, Do I really have to wait again for a hard thing? I already did the hard wait. I was 34 years old when I got married. Do I really have to wait for a whole nother hard thing? Those were the honest questions that I was asking. That kind of hard waiting, in that hard waiting, I saw God prove himself faithful to me over and over and over again. Even when things didn't go my way, And even when God's way was way different than my way, God was faithful to his promises. I think this is true in the story of Abram. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight and continue his story. Before we do that, I just want to pray. And then we're going to turn to the scriptures and look at Abram's story. So let's pray. God, we're thankful to be in this room tonight. We're thankful for your presence here. We're thankful for your word that speaks truth to us. And we're thankful for the stories of the people who've gone before us. So tonight, God, and whatever it is in our hearts and our minds that we're longing for, whatever we're waiting for, whatever hard questions we might have as we walk into the room tonight, Um, Jesus, I pray that you will use Abram's story to encourage us and to strengthen us here tonight. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Does anyone need a Bible? Did anyone not get one on the way in? Can you guys pass a couple down here? Raise your hand up high if you need one. In the meantime, turn to Genesis chapter 12. Here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to go through a lot of Abram's story. We're going to fly through parts of it. Um, And what I want you to pay attention to as we do this is I want you to pay attention to the promises that God is making to Abram. Because there are a lot of them. They're amazing and they're kind of ridiculous. Okay, so we're just going to pay attention as we go to the promises of God. Genesis chapter 12. Um, Starting in verse 1, just follow along. This will sound familiar from a couple weeks ago. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. 
and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now turn down to verse 7. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there are two big promises in this section, and you guys talked about this a couple weeks ago with Cody, but the first promise comes in verse 2 where he says, Abram, I will make you a great nation. In verse 7, he says, to your offspring, I will give this land. Now remember a couple things that you guys talked about that's really important in this story, in Abram's story. In the ancient culture of the Bible, Everything was based on and revolved around two high values, your land and your family. Those things mattered more than anything, to hang on to your land and to hang on to your family. Your security, your identity, your purpose, your future, your hope, everything was connected to your unbroken chain of ancestors and descendants on your ancestral land. No matter what, the family and the land must survive. But God says, go, leave all of that behind. And this is what you talked about with Cody. And so Abram went and he left it all behind. But now God is making promises about his future, about his offspring, about his descendants. Do you guys remember how old Abram is when he gets this call to go? Anyone remember? Say it loud. 75 years old. He's married to Sarai, who is barren at this point. She has not had a baby. And he's giving promises about his descendants. Okay, this is already a little bit crazy. So um, we'll keep going and look at more of the promises. From Genesis 12 to Genesis 14, a few things happen. And I'm just going to kind of catch you up, and then we're going to get to Genesis 15. Genesis 12 through 14, Abram goes to Egypt. There's a famine in the land, so he travels even more down into the land of Egypt. He's there for a while. He comes back to the land. He and his nephew Lot decide to separate, and Lot goes to the east while Abram stays in Canaan. The land can't support both of their huge like herds and people and all the things they have with them. There's a point at which Abram has to then go rescue Lot from these kings of the Transjordan, the part of the land on the other side of the Jordan. All these things transpire, and then the Lord shows up again. So turn to Genesis 15. He shows up again and starts making some amazing promises. So look at Genesis 15, starting in verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Remember, this is devastating in the ancient culture. No descendants meant no future. Uh, Verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood, will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to Abram, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. 
thanks be to God. Let's look at the promises. This is so fascinating. In verse 1, he starts off by saying, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I am your reward. Remember, in the ancient culture, your security, your identity, your future was all wrapped up in your ancestors and your descendants. And he left his ancestors and he didn't have descendants. And God said, listen, I will protect you. I am your shield. You don't have descendants, but right now I'm your reward. I will be what you need. But then he keeps going. Verse four, he says, your son, your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And in verse six, look at the stars. So shall your offspring be. Abram's getting older and older as the story goes on. And God is still making this unbelievable, ridiculous promise that he is going to have descendants. And a lot of them. There are a lot of stars. (laughs) It's like, Abram, you don't even know what I'm about to do. And I love verse 6 because it says what? Abraham doubted. Abraham got frustrated. What does it say? Abram what? He believed. Everyone say this word. This is the Hebrew word that's in this text where it says Abram believed. The word is emunah. Say emunah. Emunah. Abram emunah, basically. We call that Hebrew in our house where you kind of connect the Hebrew and English words together, right? So Abram had emunah, which we think of as to like believe, to know something. But in the Hebrew culture, emunah means way more than that. It means persistence. It means steadfastness. It means unwavering trust. And then actions and a lifestyle that follows suit. Abram had emunah. Okay, God, what you're saying to me is crazy but I am going to choose to believe you and I'm going to live this way and be persistent and be steadfast and trust your promise, Amunah. So that lasted for a little while until we get to Genesis chapter 16 when uh, Sarah and Abram start to show their weakness. And I don't know if you guys have ever been in this situation when you're waiting or wishing for something to happen and it's not happening So you take things into your own hands, right? Sarah goes to Abram and says, this isn't happening. We're getting old. You're getting old. I'm getting old. Here, why don't you take Hagar, my servant, as your wife and sleep with her and have a baby with her and then you'll have a descendant. We're just gonna take things into our own hands. Sound familiar? Now, what happens at this point is uh, Sarah and Hagar start to not get along. Shocking, right? (laughs) Just like, this is where we enter into like the TV reality drama, right? Because now Sarah, Sarah and Hagar are not getting along. Sarah goes to Abram and says, you know, she's mistreating me. Like Sarah's complaining about Hagar to Abram. Abram says, she's your servant. Do what you want with her. Can you just like see this drama unfolding as they take things into their own hands? Eventually, Um, Sarai decides to mistreat Hagar and Hagar flees away into the desert, away from the family. In the desert, though, God meets with her and God cares for her and God gives her promises and sends her back and then she has a baby boy and his name is Ishmael. Now, Abram has a son, but not the way God intended, not the way that God Promise. They took matters into their own hands. Now flip over to Genesis chapter 17. And 
And I'm going to read a good portion of chapter 17, so follow along. We're going to start in verse 1 and continue on with the story. I want you to pay close attention as we read to the promises of God. He keeps giving Abram promises. Here we go. 17 verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you, the whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Now go down to verse 15. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her, and I will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful, and he will greatly increase in numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, don't miss this. In verse 1, how old is Abraham now? He's 99 years old, and God is still making this crazy, amazing, ridiculous promise, right? He changes Abram's name from Abram, which, which Abram is exalted father, to Abraham, which means father of many. Abraham, you're 99 years old, but you're going to be the father of many. What is going on? Listen to these promises. In verse 2, I will greatly increase your numbers. Verse 5, I've made you the father of a multitude of nations. Verse 6, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Kings will come from you. Verse 7, I will establish my covenant with your descendants, plural. Verse 8, I will give your descendants this land. Verse 16, I will bless Sarah. I will give you a son by her. By the way, she's 90 years old. She shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. This is unbelievable. As this story goes on, Abram's getting older and older and older, and God keeps making these same promises. They don't change. He keeps saying them, and they become more and more incredible. Um, when we get to chapter 18 now, 
there's a really unique, interesting thing that happens. They're in desert culture, and these three visitors come. Some think they're angels. They're some kind of messenger of God, maybe the presence of God in some form. But these three visitors come, and Abraham treats them to good old-fashioned ancient desert culture hospitality. Okay, this is what you do when people show up, even today in the desert, in the land of Israel, there are people called Bedouin who live the desert culture life. You show up and you get three days of hospitality, food and drink and shelter and protection, no questions asked. And that's exactly what's going on in this culture with Abraham. He, he shows them this, um, this hospitality. So go down to verse 9 in chapter 18. Uh, Because these messengers have come with some of the same promises. This is 18 verse 9. One of the messengers says, where is your wife Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were already very old. I love how there's a point made. Like, remember, don't forget, they're already really old, right? Um, And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. (laughs) This is the word of the Lord. Okay, I love this because, well, first of all, there's a promise in verse 10. I will surely return to you this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. God is not changing his story. He is not changing his promise. He keeps saying the same thing. This is going to happen, even though it's getting more and more ridiculous. But do you notice how everybody's laughing, right? In chapter 17, God makes these promises, and Abram Abram laughs. And now in 18, Sarah laughs. He laughs. She laughs. God says, why is she laughing? She says, I didn't laugh. He says, yeah, you did laugh. Everybody's laughing because this is crazy, right? In fact, in Genesis 17, God tells them what they're going to name this baby. Does anyone remember? Isaac. Do you know what Isaac means? He laughs. He laughed, right? It's almost like God is saying, you think what I'm promising you is so ridiculous and so impossible but I'm about to blow your mind and I don't ever want you to forget that you laughed and you thought it wasn't gonna happen because I'm gonna blow you away with the way I'm gonna come through on my promises to you, no matter how incredible or ridiculous they seem. And in Genesis 18, 14, the Lord says to Abram, is anything too difficult for the Lord? Okay, turn to Genesis 21. This is it. The grand finale. Everybody doing okay? Staying with me? All right, here we go. Genesis 21, starting in verse 1. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him and God commanded him, as God commanded him. 
Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Guys, God is faithful to his promises. Do you see this? God is faithful to his promises. I want to show you a picture I found this week. Ben was telling me this story. You guys probably heard about it a few weeks ago. There was a woman in India who was 73 years old and gave birth to twins. I don't have that picture for you um, because it was just a lot of video and the pictures were kind of weird. But as I was looking at that picture or that story, this story popped up from 2016, um, which is pretty amazing. This is a couple in their 70s in 2016. That is their baby. I just want you to see the picture for context. We talk about Abraham and Sarah having a baby when they're 190. But just look at that picture for a second. That's ridiculous, (laughs) right? God fulfilling this promise to Abraham and Sarah was ridiculous. Still today in the Jewish culture, Abraham is revered. He's revered as a man of great faith, of emunah, with persistence and unwavering trust in the faithfulness of God, that he's faithful to his promise. Abraham is someone the Jewish people want to be like because of his unwavering trust in God. Listen uh, to what Hebrews says about Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And by faith, Abram, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Abram chose to believe, to have Amunah, and live like God is faithful to his promises. So I asked you what you're waiting for. In the things you're waiting for, the hard kind of waiting, not the fast food kind of waiting, but the hard kind of waiting. Can you choose Amunah? Steadfast persistence, choosing to trust and believe that God is faithful to his promises. Even when it doesn't feel like it, even when you're disappointed even when things maybe don't turn out the way that you wanted them to turn out, even when your heart aches for the things that have not yet come to be, God is faithful to his promises. Even when our situations make us ask questions about everything we believe, even when the future seems completely uncertain, even when we feel confused or hurt 
or betrayed. God is faithful to his promises. Now, I'll be honest with you. In the days that I was single, there were a lot of hard days and a lot of days that I lost hope. And I started to ask the really hard questions like, okay, God, are you really there? Do you really care about me? Are you really at work? Are you really working in my story? And do you really have a plan that's better than mine? Really? God was faithful to his promises. And in the days of no babies in our lives, there were a lot of hard days, days that I lost hope, days that I asked a lot of hard questions. God, where are you? Do you see me? Do you see my pain? Do you understand how hard this is? What are you doing? And are you really at work in my story? Are you sure that your plan is better than my plan? But God was faithful to his promises. And for Abram and Sarah, I think they had hard days too. And they asked those really hard questions. And God was faithful to his promises. So while we wait for whatever it is that we're waiting for, longing for, hoping for, wondering if it's ever going to come to be, what we're going to do tonight to end is we're just going to hear the promises of God. What does he want to remind us of tonight? What has he said to us? What has he promised us? So that we could be strengthened, so that we could be encouraged, so we could choose to have emunah as we walk the road uh, before us. So here's what we're going to do. A little different. I'm going to ask the band to come up. You guys can start coming up. And I also have some people who are going to read some scripture. So come on up as well. You guys can come join me right here. So here's what's going to happen. What I want you to do tonight is just hear the promises of God. You're going to hear them through scripture. You're going to hear them through song. You can choose to sing. You can choose to sit and listen. Um, Our hope and our prayer tonight is that whatever you're facing, whatever you're waiting for, that God would speak to you as you hear the things that are true and the things that he has promised you. So will you pray with me? Jesus, you know our hearts. You know the things we carried into this room. You know the things we're waiting for, the things we long for, the things that are confusing and hard and uncertain, or even those things that seem impossible. So God, I just ask tonight that for each person here, that you would speak whatever it is um, that we need to hear from you tonight. Remind us who you are and your goodness and your promises and that you are faithful. So God, we invite your spirit to work and to move. Would you use your word to speak? Um, Bring us hope tonight in these moments. We pray these things in your name. Amen.